0: Welcome to Modern Motherhood, where you're required to be everything, to everyone, all the time. We wouldn't have it any other way, but let's be honest, it's hard work. So let's talk about it, all of it, in the raw, with no filter. Come and be a fly on the wall as you listen in on a chat between friends, as each week welcomes a new guest and a new topic to delve deeper around the ins and outs of not only motherhood but life in general. The ups, the downs, the struggles, the highlights, the reality. Because the reality is, you're not alone. We're all in this together. You're listening to Mummy Republic. Welcome to The Whirlwind. Hello, lovely, and welcome back to another episode of the Mummy Republic podcast. I'm your host, Danny, and boy, have I got a good discussion for you today, my friends. But before we get stuck into it, I want to give a quick shout out to username Munising. 18, who left me a beautiful five-star review and comment over on the iTunes podcast app. She says, In love, I adore this podcast. The topics that aren't discussed in everyday life are conversations that we should all really have. And that is what makes this podcast stand out and be so valuable. These chats are so beneficial, supportive, uplifting, and relatable. I listen while I walk through the city to my nine to five, and I'm very grateful. Thanks, Danny. No, thank you so much for leaving such a beautiful review. And that is exactly my intention here, is to normalize those things that we really should talk about. But let's face it, we don't do it enough because it's awkward or it's taboo or there's no one willing to actually talk about it. So thank you so much for taking the time to leave those kind words. It means so much to me. If you would like to do the same, make sure that you jump onto the iTunes podcast app or iTunes on your device and leave a rating and a review so you can let other listeners know what they're in for. And if you haven't done so already, make sure that you click on that subscribe button so that you don't miss a thing. Now, today's episode, we are touching on quite the taboo subject, and that is all about sex, baby. We are going to talk to a sexologist who will discuss what sex is like during pregnancy, through the transition to motherhood, but also, when should we be talking about it with our children? Well, let's find out. Today's mama is an avid adventurer, self-described cool mom, and a clinical sexologist. Welcome to the amazing Naomi Hutchings. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for being here. Now, before we actually delve into this topic, and I think there's so much that we can explore because obviously sex is somewhat taboo, but it Mm. covers a lot of areas. Yeah explain to us what a sexologist is
1: it it really just means that I went to university to study human sexuality so and usually most people will work either in research or um, like the education field or doing some clinical stuff so for myself I do I'm in there with um, clients doing uh, lots of sex counseling sex therapy um, but I also used to teach it I taught at a university human sexuality
0: as well so I do a lot of that mix it up how did you get into that
1: I kind of feel like I was must have been always going that way. I've always had um, a bit of an interest in uh, sort of social justice and I, I kind of did a lot of volunteer work. I was a teen mama so I had an unplanned pregnancy at uh, 16 and had a oh. baby at 17 and I think that just that sort of experience made me think and question about like... Um, you know, sexual education and I went to a Catholic school and we didn't really get anything other than saying don't have sex until you're married which <laughs> wasn't fab and really obviously not great for the people who were having sex. Anyway, so I kind of went into that way and often at uni I would be looking at things like that and yeah, started volunteering and then ended up becoming a sex educator at a sexual health service and then Yeah, ended up doing my master's in sexual health and I've been in the field for about 15 years now.
0: Wow, what a progression. Yeah. (laughs) And like I said before, and we were talking off air, there's so many different elements Mm. of sexology, if you will. Yeah. And I think a lot of people don't understand that it's not just about sex. It's about a lot of other things as well.
1: Even sexual education, when you say that, I think people kind of panic and I try to explain to people because I'm very... um, very, very passionate about saying that everybody needs to be having sex education right from the get-go and people Mm. freak out. Like they think you're telling little people how to have sex and that's actually only one, you know, talking about the biology and things like that is one like small, tiny little part. It's actually not about that. It's about, you know, bodily autonomy and consent and Mm. using correct language and all of that stuff.
0: Yeah, and it's all about understanding and education, not that taboo part of sex. Yeah, and it
1: is and obviously that taboo stuff is help what reinforces that sort of uh, let's not talk about it or hush hush or maybe I'm doing something wrong kind of thing.
0: Mm, which mm. is exactly why I want to talk about it <laughs> because I think yeah. we should. And, and yeah. you know, from a somewhat selfish perspective, yeah. obviously um, I think there's a huge shift when it comes to pregnancy and motherhood mm. and, and mm-hmm. how we change as, you know, from a sexual perspective. Yeah. So let's go from, I guess, that part mm-hmm. Starting with pregnancy, mm. what is it that you commonly see when couples come in and they have, you know, potential discussions around sex?
1: Yeah, look, I mean, I see, I mostly, I mean, I see a range of different people, but when I'm talking about couples, often I see people who, there's sort of differences, There's either people who are coming in to talk about the differences in what happened after they became pregnant and what that's done to the relationship, if or it has done anything, or the people who have already had issues around perhaps their sexual relationship but then there's been extra you know added complexities to it uh, like after the pregnancy so some mm-hmm. people you know wouldn't didn't they were like everything was fine until the pregnancy and others were like no actually this is this has always been going on with her pregnancy it's made us worse or um, more difficult because mm-hmm. obviously I'm not going to see the people the point is I see the people who have identified an issue right because there are a whole bunch of people who don't pregnancy doesn't really impact them at all. So I just yep. want to kind of make that clear that that is not the it's not going to be doom and the be you know, gloom, yeah. right? It doesn't it's not always like that.
0: Yeah. And for those who have developed don't want to say issues but maybe concerns during pregnancy what would you typically see yeah so i usually see
1: people who um so for the ones for example who i have a lot of people who um perhaps they were already struggling about with their sexual relationship and and you know i explore that because there are many reasons that happens and then of course they think time for a baby so then all of a sudden they have a lot of sex and sometimes (laughs) that's a very good motivator it's like these people who haven't you know the birthing person who or the person who's going to birth has not um, been thinking about sex for a while and all of a sudden they're like let's have sex let's have sex yep. and then and then of course then the pregnancy happens and then they stop again so it's about trying to work out what that you know what's going on there why is that happening but then I also just see people who were everything felt okay um and then the pre- pregnancy happened and then perhaps there was a bit of a traumatic birth mm-hmm. or um you know, just lots of stuff going on, no, really sleepless nights and, and, you know, no end to that as in, you know, they're still going years later and the kids aren't sleeping. So I see a lot of that and what's happened to the relationship. So there's been a, a bit of that and also just body, like body mm. image stuff, which I often think was there anyway and then it's just exacerbated by, you know, what society says about bodies and things like that. So there's a mix.
0: Yeah, and it's such a shift when you fall pregnant, right? Mm. You know, your mm-hmm. body evolves and it yep. changes. Yeah. Do you f- find a lot of mums have mental or physical concerns when it comes to sex during pregnancy um
1: both you know um i mean i do get uh, quite when i'm particularly when i'm seeing a man and a woman i have had uh, a number of clients over my time you know where you know they, they've uh for example, the men um, they've had really quite adventurous sex and enjoying it, role-playing and a whole bunch of other stuff and then the minute their partner gets pregnant, they say, I can't do this, I can't mm. be doing that kind of, sex with you you know um and so there's this shift in and how they look at their partner which is Mm. is quite sad and I spend a lot of time trying to unpack what that is and um their partner's left kind of bewildered or I have it the other way around where the person's um birthed the baby and then they're so involved in the motherhood or parenthood that they've lost their way around their sexuality Mm. you know to get that back
0: yeah Mm. and it is from a physical perspective it's Difficult to have sex when
1: you're heavily pregnant. Yeah, like, look, look. A lot of people get huge surges of hormones and actually find they're really super horny. Yeah, you know they've got really engorged genitals, all the blood's pumping down there, and um, they feel really like lots of sex. And then sometimes a partner, particularly someone who's penetrating, might think, "Hang on, what's going on?" And worry about touching the baby, We're hurting it, it as well. Comment. I was
0: going to ask you, can you just clarify yeah, everyone... no, no, no,
1: it's fine. Babies, it's, you know, in there nice and cosy and, and, you know, unless... <laughs> I mean, gosh, I don't know, unless you've got like the most huge, 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 I don't know, large penis and, and struggling around that kind of, really, honestly, it's, it's some fluid, right? Yeah. I mean, I, that's why I always go big penises aren't always the, the be all and end all. But no, really, it, it, you know, it's more about positioning, mm. I suppose, as well, just finding that, you know, I and mean, there's lots of other... Um, Good things about that, changing up positions means you might find another way that you get off and it feels really nice. So um, yeah, but it is about that. Some people um, might have a favourite position and then they find once that belly starts growing, they've got to move around and sort of adjust, Mm. which is all part and parcel of it really.
0: Of course. Yeah. Do you think that it's important to continue a regular sort of sex pattern when you're pregnant? Look, I mean, if you've got a couple
1: or however many are in the relationship um, (laughs) that don't really have a huge emphasis on sex I was it's it's completely it's really up for you as a couple or in your relationship of how much importance you place on sex Mm. but if you both do and feel like sex is important I'd say yeah try to keep that up because obviously with this pregnancy parenthood I don't know you know depending how many kids you have they they are going to change and shift the way things are and it is harder to really um you know make uh, some time for that relationship and that because obviously as i keep saying to people at some point those little ones are going to grow up and move out and like what mm-hmm. what's left then yeah. it's like how do we do that so it's about trying to manage that which is so hard and really easy to say but um yeah important because then i you know i see a lot of the other end of that where people have come right out and they're breathing again after just dealing with parenthood and stuff and their relationships not in such a great place
0: yeah and it is hard it's it's so hard to navigate because every situation is so different different. um if somebody wants that intimacy Mm. but they're finding it difficult from a physical perspective to have sex do you have techniques around what they can do to connect with each other yeah look
1: i mean i think really the most important thing is is about talking about it and, and just really getting super practical in other words saying listen i need to go on my side now uh, I need some lube, you know, um, or, you know, we might just need to make this a bit quicker. This is not going to be a two-hour-long marathon <laughs> session. Let's just bang it right? out. Right, <laughs> let's just get it out. Um, and also probably, you know, for me, I spend a lot of time talking to everyone about totally redefining their idea of sex because we have this idea that sex means really, when we, when we think about it, most people say sex means P in the V, right? Penis in the vagina, that's it. Yep. Like this hierarchy of sex acts and that's the be-all and end-all when we know people are doing all sorts of things so I suggest you know just calling whatever you're doing in that space sex like you're connecting in in some mm. way and that way then you don't have to say oh we only did this last night or we only did that when actually you were being sexual so sometimes it might be that let's not have penetration um let's just um have other way you know other other sex um and so I suppose it's more also just about talking you need you can't you know you can't read minds you don't know we all have our own stories going on in our head and we need to actually just talk
0: about it and we're not in high school so Mm -hmm. I think you're right in categorizing and saying oh you know I didn't get to totally a home run last Uh night Uh I mean we're we're adults yeah Yeah, that connection is still connection so fast forward to obviously having the baby yeah yeah how do new parents navigate (laughs) that so let's say baby number one because that's
1: yeah transition in itself yeah Yeah, look, I mean, I will say, I want to say, I have heard lots of beautiful stories of people as well, you know, not necessarily obviously in my clinic because usually people are coming because they've identified some sort of concern, but in my sort of area and people that I talk to have had some amazing experiences where they were, you know, being sexual days after birthing and things like that. Yeah, and I really want to just say that and, and I don't, I don't want to do that because I always think, you know, um, what's that saying? Uh, Comparison is the thief of happiness. So it's like, oh, that's not me. But it's like I just want to say there are also people who have beautiful, such literally calling it orgasmic experiences where they felt like the birth was amazing and they were feeling super close with their partner and they did that. So I do want to say that happens too. But obviously we have more commonly people are waiting a while Mm because they're sore or just nervous or also just totally not feeling like sex because Sexual. they're just mm. like, what the hell just happened to me? Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> yeah. and obviously breastfeeding and things like that, um, you know, that changes it, uh, your, you know, sometimes you don't like lubricate as much. And also it kind of makes sense that, you know, you, you, maybe your libido would be a bit lower because it's like the universe, you know, back in the day, it's like people don't want you to just keep having another baby because, you know, it wasn't, you know, it's like you need that sort of space, space it out. Yeah. So I suppose there's perhaps biological things that are saying, just hold that, otherwise people would just get back on it and possibly be pregnant again, right? That's why breastfeeding oh, and that, usually if you fall breastfeeding, a pregnancy hopefully won't occur for a while. Yep.
0: Yeah. Yep. You can give yourself that break. A bit of a recover. break, but
1: yeah, and I, it is, it's going to really vary, but I suppose it's like expect anything. You know, you don't know. You might be mm. feeling just so amazing and close to your partner once you look at your partner and go, wow, look how amazing they are with this baby, look what we did, and feel really close and want to do it, or... Yeah, you may be thinking, oh my gosh, it's the last thing on my mind.
0: Mm. Yeah. And both are normal, right? Ah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Mm. Yeah, and I think it's probably something that, you know, I think generally they say six weeks mm-hmm. and then you can have yeah. sex again, but it's an individual It is. Situation. I think they've got
1: that's kind of been around for a while, that whole six week thing. Because I can remember, like, you know, my daughter's, she's nearly 28, and I remember them saying that back then. And it's like, I think actually for a lot of people, they do it, actually do it a lot earlier. I suppose mm. it's more um, about, you know, if there's been some, you know, tearing or some surgery or something like that. But for a lot of people that only, you know, that six weeks is not necessarily um, something you have to do if you're feeling okay about it.
0: Yeah. Mm. And if you were someone who's
1: gone through a traumatic birth, how would you navigate that? Look, I think, you know, it's really important that you're talking about it because obviously with trauma, with any kind of trauma, we need to talk about it, move Mm. it sort of through our body kind of thing. So for a lot of people, the thought of anything in that area isn't so great. And it's about trying to work out what's going to feel okay, and um, it might need to be slow, uh, taking the whole thing slow, and getting sort of back with your body. Because a lot of people don't like looking at their vulva afterwards; they think it looks different, it feels different. So, um, and but for a lot of other people, things shift and move, and actually they find that that sex is even more enjoyable after their birth. So, mm. you know, I think but the trauma stuff is like here, yeah, acknowledging that and uh, talking about you know what it is and see you know if you need to some people need to actually you know go and speak to a therapist around like it's so traumatic it's almost like post-traumatic stress you know yeah. you disorder after um, a really terrible birth so if that happens i would yeah suggest get working through that as well
0: absolutely mm. how do you find when there are other children involved mm. um navigating that yeah because <laughs> look i mean that's
1: just trying to find you know like i get asked this question all the time which is why i ask. You know, some people have sex when their babies are in the room. You know, I mean, babies can't hear. Um, and a lot of cultures, they all sleep together and they keep having babies. You'll f- you know, they all live in one room. Um, but for some people, that's really, they get really bothered and think, you know, people, oh, your babies can hear or whatever or toddlers. But um, so I do talk lots about, um, you know, putting locks on doors or feeling okay about that. So, you you know, uh, or putting the baby in a cot. I've even had people, you know, pop on a you know put netflix on or something for the kids and then go in and
0: you know like yeah just you do sleep. what you can yeah, yeah
1: do what you can find some time because it is it's, it's going to be hard you've got all these other people who want your attention as well
0: yeah absolutely mm. do you find that sometimes and we touched on that just before mm, mm. that a male will look at and i'm saying male, you know it might be the female yeah, in the relationship yeah. whoever did not birth the child yeah. may look at the birth mother a little bit differently yeah yeah, yeah.
1: I, I have. I have had people um, come to me to talk about how they negotiate those feelings. Yeah, like literally talking about, you know, I used to do this, we did spanking, we did this, and now it's like, no, I don't want to do that. Almost that whole thing, I talk a bit about that that thing, like I think people refer to it as like the Madonna whore complex in the sense of like this is supposed to be this virginal, wonderful perfect mother and then this other person as if you know and obviously I'm not so I, I, I use that word whore in a way of like that was used to make people feel bad about sexuality and that's not the way I use that language but that actually you can be both you can be mm. this sexual being and also a great mom or parent so but yes I do see people struggling with that like, yeah. how do I get out of that mode and go into this mode now?
0: Mm. Yeah. And where do you help them start?
1: Yeah, just, I suppose, really, and everyone's got their own story, right? So I often spend a lot of time asking what things, you know, as they grew up, how was sex discussed, um, what do they think about it, what are their ideas of motherhood or parenthood, depending on their gender and who, what role they're in, you know. Um, and just ideas and sometimes that they change the ideas about mm. what they want from sex and what they think they should be doing, you know, and should's not necessarily the greatest word, right? It's like um, what I talk about is these expectations which get everybody down. But what does that mean, you know? You yeah. know do you have to do that? No, who said?
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think it's even sex, it's an evolution because mm. you hear – things now that you would never have heard yep. 10 years ago yeah so yeah, yeah it's we're important. getting a lot better at digital. talking about it yeah, yeah. definitely yeah. do you think that there's a, a a good magic number when it comes to sex and <laughs> how much yeah look i uh, i often say i hate coming up with
1: numbers because of course there's data you read it you can just find out recent, you know do surveys and things like that sometimes i find it helpful like if i've got a two people sitting there and one of them's you know mostly what I see is a lot of one person wanting you know sex more than the other and then how do we deal with that but so sometimes I might just throw out what would be an ideal number and then you know if someone might say something is quite close to theirs they might be thinking their partner's going to say two times a day and then they realize the person I'll be cool with like twice a week or once a month or whatever but they're, they're closer than they think mm. but sometimes I have people with a huge discrepancy you know that person wants it two times a day and the other person's like I'd be happy with it once a month so then we're sort of oh. working through so I really don't want to say what's a magic number but what I want to say is what's the magic number for you as your couple mm. as your relationship what would help the both of you if there's two of you in the relationship feel okay? Yeah. And that that number might change and it might have to because of things going on like parenthood, deaths of family members, job changes, you know, so you've got to negotiate that. How are you feeling about it? Like check in. we have to get good at checking in about that stuff because yeah. that might change.
0: I think that's a really good point to actually open that conversation because the only people involved in your sex life, should be people in it, right? Yes, (laughs) yes. Let alone everybody else's opinion. Exactly, and
1: that's that whole thing. Don't compare. Yes, you you know that um, the theme of happiness is comparison, so don't worry about what everyone else is doing. What is okay for you and the other person is true.
0: Absolutely. If you're a new mum and you are not feeling necessarily Mm. sexual, do you feel like masturbation helps do you feel what would your your advice be because there's a lot of different 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 look I
1: suppose for some people um you know I always talk about that trying to remind yourself that you aren't aren't just a mum. when I say that I don't mean that there's anything wrong with just being a mum, but that you are also a human someone's partner and and obviously they're competing things and can be really kind of quite draining right but um, yeah, it can be good to, to look at your vulva after birth and get familiar with it again. And you know, because you know, I'm sugge- you know, often suggesting massaging after you've got some scar tissue and things like that. But um, trying to work out, um, yeah, for, like as I said, I have some people actually feeling more pleasure after they've, mm. they've birthed. Um, so yeah, definitely For masturbation can be helpful. And obviously it's such a lovely, selfish thing to do because you don't have to worry about anybody else. Yep. Um, so you don't care if, you know, if it takes longer or it's shorter and you don't have to worry about doing anything to anybody else, so that can be great. Um, and obviously if there's one person who wants more sex than the other, I do suggest that the person who wants sex more also make sure that, um, that, you know, they're not squishing their sexuality, they're, you know, masturbating as much as they feel good, um, to do. And, you know, it is important because just because we're with someone, that's not our role to get someone off, you know, of course, being in couple or a relationship, they, we help each other do that, right? But it's not your whole job. So Mm -hmm. it's responsibility of sexual pleasures on yourself in the fact that there's that role of being with yourself but also knowing what it is so you can tell a lover to help facilitate that pleasure process you know
0: that's a really good point i think sometimes too we feel guilty and going well i should do this for you Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. do you as a mum, we're all bloody tired yeah right yeah do you feel like you should make that conscious effort to engage more though (sighs) look i do (laughs) I do
1: say to people, like, if they come to me, usually they're saying, I want to want sex. And I'm like, well, sometimes you're not going to want sex. And actually, that is normal and part of the sexual journey as well. Mm -hmm. So sometimes it's like I'm making a decision to have sex. Just like you might say you know, I'm really bloody tired, but I know I'm going to sit on the couch and pop my partner's favourite movie on it and I'm going to watch it just because we haven't hung out for a while. So you might be really tired. So you're making this decision to do something that's going to enhance the relationship. So I would never want anyone to just be having sex uh, if they really hate it or it's painful or something else going on. But if you are thinking, look, I I want to do this, sometimes it is kind of just like, okay, I'm going to do it. So you might not be in the mood and that's okay. It's like, okay, but once I get going, I realise, oh, I'm getting aroused now and I'm getting into this yep. so that you're making this decision because, you know, what happens after is perhaps, it d- 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 could be, yes, we feel closer, we've had some sexual release or whatever, you know. So there's this sort of reward in many ways after that.
0: Yep. So yeah, so sometimes you need that little pep talk yeah.
1: to <laughs> it's like don't beat yourself up for not wanting it Yeah. oh, there's something wrong with me, I need to want it. Well, sometimes people with vaginas and don't necessarily do that and sometimes mm. people with penises are much not all the time but often they'll be ready to be able to do that a lot quicker so it's like they, there's just differences in human beings so mm-hmm. it's like be okay with the fact that sometimes you're not going to want it but if you're still here and wanting to be in this space like yeah i'll just make a decision to do it
0: absolutely mm. and i um, in motherhood's a journey in itself everything changes yep. including your sex drive yeah you know and that could yep. go either way yep um, now actually you touched on before around the importance of talking about sexual health yeah. and something that I do want to quickly delve into is when do you think you should start talking to your children <laughs> about sex? From the, from the get-go, that's <laughs> what I say. Yep. People always go, what, what are
1: you talking about? <laughs> so when I say from the get-go, I mean sex education starts can start right from the get-go by talking about naming genitals and consent so that is part of sex education so um, I often talk about nappy changing and things like that where you start saying and obviously babies at some point don't really understand what's going on but you're saying things like talking to your baby I'm just going to change a nappy now Mm -hmm. I've got to change your bottom I'm just wiping your penis or I'm wiping your vulva Um, and then as you know as they it's like you're kind of teaching about this why I'm touching your body that kind of stuff and then also as as they get older sort of saying may I have a hug and then um and if they say no you know oh that's okay do you want a high five or things like that so what you're actually teaching is that that's your body um and consent and that can you know when they say no it's honored you know Mm -hmm. and obviously little people say no for a lot of things but this is bodily autonomy stuff so that comes into the part of sex education so you might have and i know i think i've talked about this before on other podcasts like when my daughter was really young and i mean i was also young because i was only a baby myself um, my daughter had a very big family. She's Aboriginal, so her side of the family is huge, and they were my family, but there's lots of aunties, uncles, and often we would go for a visit and so-and-so would want a hug, and I would make her, but she was really shy. Yeah. And I'd be like, go go, kiss her or whatever, and like I really feel awful about that. I mean, I didn't know any better myself. You know, I was still learning all of this stuff, but um, that's where I talk now many times because I used to do a lot of um, parent- and caregiver workshops that you know, this is where you can stand up and say, Oh, okay, sure. Do you want to give them a hug? If they say no, say, How about a high five? So you're still teaching some manners here, like let's high five or knuckles or whatever. Mm. Um, but that way, and if aunties and uncles, which sometimes they do, say, What the hell, what's going on? So, no, in our house, if someone doesn't want a hug, they don't have to. Yeah. So, you're just passing this message on that this is body autonomy and consent that you know, people don't really get to touch your body. Um, without your consent so that's going to help them come to you and talk about things you know
0: I think that's really probably a lot of parents are sitting there yeah. going I do that too yeah. and, and I know yeah, for yeah, me yeah. When, yeah. when my daughter was younger I'd be like come on give yep. them a hug yes. you know it's the polite thing to do right but if they don't want to hug someone yes. then they don't
1: want to exactly so that's the kind of stuff we talk about and I, know I think there was some a bit of a media shitstorm excuse me where someone had talked about this nappy thing but it makes a lot of sense it's just about saying it's not of course babies aren't going to fully understand that until they get older but it's just like you start this practice of I'm going to help you take your underwear off Mm. because you're going to the toilet or I'm going to wipe your bottom now until they can work out how to do it themselves so you're so you're doing this also using the correct language and yeah the hugging thing's huge because as adults we don't have to do that there's things we all kind of don't want to do but that sort of stuff is like huge the body Mm -hmm. stuff because then it's like well okay I have to keep hugging these people when I don't want to so then it's like people can push that you know we know that unfortunately no matter what we do there are going to be people who abuse children so we need to start sort of honoring that you know like the tickle thing you know lots of us do this you tickle your kid and they're giggling their head off and then they go stop so I suggest saying oh you just said stop okay I'll stop then and just stop and then that's you know they've they've had that honoured, and then they might and they'll say do you want to do it again and so it's like you just get into practice
0: Mm. it's mm. all those little things that can add yeah up
1: that, that we can difference. do that so so that's just this stuff and if you've got a, an older sibling and then the new babies come along it's perfect opportunity because when you're changing nappies babies with penises get erections so you can sort of just talk about that look yeah they've got an erection it feels nice um that's why people touch their penises and their vulva so you just get this opportunity every now and then to sort of you know if you notice because kids like to um, touch their genitals because it feels great so we just have these conversations about that feels great we don't do it at the table
0: just like you don't pick your nose you know at the table (laughs) go be mindful of your surroundings exactly yeah that's actually a good point because yeah my daughter we're having a boy and she's Seven and yep. obviously she's going to be curious yeah, about yeah. that whole it's situation. Great opportunity
1: to have all those conversations.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, you know, I, I'm also curious because uh-huh. it's it's different. It's something totally you don't different see about saying
1: we've got to wash his testicles. We're going to do this. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yep. In terms of actually talking about sex in so inverted yep, commas, actual, yeah, yeah. When do you think that's? Well, yeah, I
1: mean, people um, just, I suppose, depending on what's going on, some people might already ask, how did that baby get in your belly? So then it's Mm. about having an opportunity of like, this is what happens. Um, babies are made in this way so you can talk about a penis goes into the vagina and then there's some sperm and egg and get out books and talk about so it's like we teach kids other things and we don't get as nervous Mm,
0: but it's really
1: important right so we talk about that and um you know say that sometimes other babies are made they in test tubes or you know people adopt so you just have these conversations and it's just often it's our stuff yes it's our own stuff right Yep. And then it's – so we think, oh, I shouldn't have done that. But it's like we, we teach them to brush their teeth. We teach them all this stuff. And then if we don't have these conversations, they're going to go out there and, and you know, be like, what the hell's going on, you know?
0: Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And what about when it comes to children's sexuality? Yeah. Because obviously they start to explore their yep. bodies. Yeah. Do you proactively con- have a conversation around – masturbation and yeah all yeah all of that sort yeah of stuff.
1: look I mean we're nowhere near as good as like some of the other countries like the Netherlands where they're you know they just are all totally okay because everyone's naked at the pools and things like that so they're really good about talking <laughs> definitely about not it you know we're not but but yeah definitely talking so it's a it, you can um you know just acknowledge it if it's happening oh I can mm. see that you're masturbating I know that feels really good um so you know so what right there you sort of acknowledging there's pleasure in that area mm. but saying you know how about we you, you do that in your bedroom um, because other people are sitting around and sometimes other people don't want to see that, you know, just like the same thing of like farting, right? When you yeah. say, like, come on, you know, let's not fart around, you know, or go bl- stop picking your nose and eating it at the table. So that's how I kind of talk her around that about not making it such a big deal. Mm. And also you're, you're passing this lovely message on in just a sort of really quite calm way of, oh, that was okay. So yes, my genitals can equal some sexual pleasure. Um, but yeah, we just don't always do that in that sort of you know, in that space where we all know that, you know, that we've got to go somewhere else to do that because we can't have sex in public or whatever,
0: you know. <laughs> yep. Yeah. But it's, it's good to, I think make sure that they know that it's okay yeah yeah, Um, but to not put that guilt on them that's it because
1: obviously that's where we you know sexologists and sex therapists that's what we see people dealing with that kind of feeling constantly feeling shame and you know children are not born with shame they're taught it and so Mm. we can actively work to unpack you know not have that happen or you know and it's not too late you know people like oh I didn't do that it's like yeah you can still have these conversations I mean obviously I was unlearning all of this stuff myself and so you know when my daughter was like an adolescent and I was like way catching up and all this stuff, Um, you know, I gave her for her birthday vibrators and lubricant along with all her other presents, even if she was super awkward, because I was trying to explain to her, your body's yours, do this, and so, you know, even I think about her 18th birthday, I gave a speech where I was talking about her, but also like, everyone, there's condoms and lube in the toilets, I had um, some detail cards, and they were all gone, I had to fill it up twice. But, you know, like it's like you just – you can do it along the way and, you know, they might just roll their eyes and she's just used to it now. But, um, but you know, it's like you're at least getting that message along that it's okay if you need me.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. You're definitely not a regular mum. No. You're a cool mum. <laughs> it's
1: like I think well, that's on my bio about being a cool mum and I've called myself the cool auntie. But it is – even like with my nieces and nephews, that's what I – you know, I'm often doing stuff like that. I think they were really little, three and – where I went it was giving them a bath and my my nephew kept looking um, in between my he was standing up in be- and looking in between my niece's legs going, wait Annie, where's her penis so we had a lovely <laughs> conversation about the fact that no she's got a clitoris it's kind of like the penis and yeah you know it's like I'm just constantly having those combos
0: <laughs> same same but different yes. <laughs> it's good though I think we, we need to normalise it a lot yeah. more because there is a lot of shame and that's when teenagers and children yes, they'll, yes. they'll do it
1: they, they just, will won't do it yeah. with you knowing about it necessarily yeah. and look i can tell you all the studies show that them if you have these conversations it's not going to make them have sex any quicker than they were already maybe thinking about mm. doing it what it actually does is is that they become what we i i love to think of as thoughtful sexual people where they have sex and it's a better experience perhaps mm. they're safer they might use condoms if that's what they need or you know, you know, like that. The experience will hopefully be a lot better because you they've had these conversations.
0: Mm, absolutely, I mm. completely agree with that. Yeah. So back to as a couple, yeah, a husband and wife, you know, partners, whatever, same sex, different sexes. After children, what would be your top advice?
1: I think, I suppose, I, it's really just important. And I can, I know, like you're exhausted. There's lots of things going on, but tr- having conversations about you know, what, what do we got, what's happening, what do we want? And it's okay to know that, you know, we may only have 30 minutes and all you actually want to do is sleep. And that's okay too. I mean, I think even sometimes men say, well, you know, that's kind of weird, but all I want to do is sleep. And I'm like, no, that's, Soup. that's normal you're tired don't bother yeah. like if you need to sleep sleep and it might be like that but also if you can now I know and I've noticed since I've moved here to Brisbane I see so many couples who don't have a lot of support mm. which makes me so sad i constantly see people from either different states or married to someone from a different um, country and and without that support it's extra tough because I often say if you can make time for your relationship by leaving the children somewhere mm. right mm. and that that is very easy for me to say when you don't have that support so i would suggest if you can i know that sleep is a big thing and that's where you know other friends can come in and help and say you know go go sleep i'll push the baby around or whatever but if you can to do like a little date thing or something just to kind of remind yourself that this tiny little human beings here but also you are still a couple yes like there's a couple here and then there's this the children and or baby or whatever, you know, so just making that time.
0: Making time for each Mm, other, absolutely. mm, Yeah. Now, in terms of being a mum, I am a huge advocate of making time for yourself as well and I think that's really important Mm, and um, uh, finding a way to reconnect with that person that you were before children because that's, you know, all about Mm, finding yourself again Mm -hmm. and I like to call it the me before mummy. Yeah. Now, your daughter is grown up but (laughs) is there something that you did – you know, while she was still around or that you do now to reconnect with Look, yourself?
1: Look, to be honest, so obviously I had her very young and I talked quite openly about this, that I felt like I just was this teenager and then it was a mother mm. and someone's partner and I had no idea really deep down where the hell I was or who I was. And so, and then I went into relationships. I had stuff with my sexuality. I didn't come out until I was 28. So I had just all this stuff squished in so it wasn't until I was plodding along and then I had a like a long-term breakup from her stepmom, who I was with for like a decade after I come out and as I did that, I chose to do that and it was a really tough decision but I thought I need time alone and I, mm-hmm. and I just knew somewhere in my gut that I had to do this and it was probably one of the hardest things I ever did but I ended up sort of on this spiral of dating a few people and going around and really what I needed to do, as I said, was be alone mm-hmm. and as you might know, when people have, have long term relationships and they have a breakup, you lose a lot of friends. Even if there's yeah. no fighting, there's no sides are taken, you it, you know, every it's big changes, yeah. right? Um so in the end I remember I was in Prague, I was presenting at a sexology conference there and I just I had a message from my landlord saying um, you know, they're selling the house today. Anyway, I just had this gut feeling like I needed to leave, like leave everything and I'm not saying I recommend doing this but I I honestly it was the best thing I ever did because I was living with my daughter so I came back and within a couple of weeks I quit all my jobs and I said to my daughter I'm going and I had one friend in uh, the Gold Coast who I'd known since I was 12 and she also was a teen mama and I said I'm coming there and she's like all right and I did I packed up everything packed my house up alone said a few goodbyes and left and turned up at her house I got a job in um three weeks later in brisbane so then i had a sexual health place and i had to drive for um three weeks back and forth and it was hideous and then i met this woman at a sexology place who said hey you should stay under my studio under my house in Brizzy, so you don't have to drive so far and i went oh, right well i've done this i'll just go stay at a stranger's house so i told my best friend i've met this person this is where i'm going and i did it and i then consciously went i'm just spending this year doing no dating no sex just being with me and it was one of the most wonderful things I ever did so yeah it was like this is it I you know even our my daughter our relationship it was the first time we'd left each other you know so and then I went on I I was planning on doing that for a couple of years till I met someone but um, (laughs) it was beautiful so yeah I did I think if I didn't do that I would have you know like it's like I came back to myself almost yeah yeah so oh. i definitely recommend it out. Oh, yeah.
0: but that's it's a prime example right of just how much growth you oh. have as a person during mm. that period and having yeah. your children young you're, yep. you're kind of growing up with them but yeah, you don't was, get the freedom absolutely. to do it yourself yeah so even finding those snippets of time to yes. give back to yourself oh. and reconnect is huge I
1: got very very comfortable with being uncomfortable like the feeling of what loneliness meant and I sort of thought you know I've been lonely in relationships where I'm really here and am I here because I want to be here or is it because I fear being alone so I spent a lot of time unpacking that stuff and got very good at being alone because I always had people around me mm. you know even it was just my daughter like it was like there was always someone so it was actually scary but beautiful yeah you know? yeah well, definitely, powerful. if you can do it, you know, don't have to necessarily leave country or, <laughs> or the state. But <laughs> That's it was, <laughs> yeah, it was. I highly recommend it. Like, not, I just refused to date. The only thing I said was, "I'll, I want to make, see if I can make some friends, which is a lot harder as you get older. And It is, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, and I did a lot of grieving and a lot of like just learning and, and about myself and feel much better about, you know, where, what what happened and who am I.
0: Yeah. Well, giving back to yourself is really important. Important. It can yeah. change everything. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining me thank and you for giving having us me. so much advice <laughs> and a, a lot of juicy information. Yes. I think, which Good, you know, a so. lot of people won't want to ask or mm. won't want to have a conversation yeah. about, yep. but it's important to discuss. Yeah. Now I'm going to pop all of your details in the show notes, sure. um, your Instagram, and then your website, so people can get a hold of you and check you out a little bit yeah. further. or Touch base. I'm mean, in Paddington they want to now. To. That's where I am. Fantastic. In a Queenslander, <laughs> in an old, beautiful Queenslander. <laughs> of course, stunning. But yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much again. Yeah. I really appreciate it. Me. Thanks, it's Naomi. Well, we certainly covered some ground there, didn't we? I told you it was going to be an interesting conversation. Now, I am so stoked to have had Naomi come on and have a chat about sex because I think it's just something we don't talk about enough or we do behind closed doors, but are we really asking all the questions that we want to? Perhaps not. So, hopefully, I covered a little bit of that for you. Now, touching on what I took away from the conversation is that it can be a big shift in sexuality during pregnancy and then the transition into motherhood. And it's important to remember that there are a number of things that can impact that. It can be hormones, it can be physical changes, can be traumatic births, body image. There's a million different ways that can cause a difference when it comes to your sex life. So it is important to remember that it's individual. And when I say individual, I mean that in every sense of the word. When you have sex after birth, when you have sex whilst you have children, what sex actually looks like to you. It doesn't have to always mean, as Naomi put it, P in V. It could be an array of things. So do not compare yourself to other people. The important part is that you communicate as a couple, with each other about your wants your needs your desires and that is why Naomi says that she refuses to put an actual number on what is normal when it comes to sex there is no magic number the magic number is what's right for you guys so open up those lines of conversation and make sure that you check in with each other She did, however, highlight that this can change. So make sure it's a revolving conversation so that both parties are on the same page. And with that, remember not to compare because comparison is the thief of joy. She also highlights that it's a great time after birth to not only reconnect with your partner, but also yourself, taking time to explore your body, any changes and finding out what actually feels good to you. When it comes to sex education, Naomi's advice is to start the conversation as early as possible. That includes labeling genitals, talking through the steps that you're taking, making sure that your children understand about consent and respect and not forcing that. But she also highlights that having conversations openly and when the opportunity arises will not encourage children to have sex earlier. What it will create is less shame and more thoughtfulness when it comes to being sexual. If you would like to follow more of Naomi's journey, you can find her over on Instagram at Australian Sexologist and I will be sure to put her details and the link to her website in the show notes as well. Now on to you, my friend. I am going to give you a little bit of homework. If you have not done so already, I urge you to carve out a snippet of time to give back to yourself and the me before mummy. It can be a few minutes or a few hours, Just an opportunity to reconnect with that person that you were pre-children and give back to yourself. If you would like to share it with myself and other mamas, you can do so over on social media by using the hashtag TheMeBeforeMummy and tagging myself at MummyRepublic. But in the meantime, remember to take a breath, take some time for yourself and know that you're doing a damn good job. Thank you again so much for joining me. I cannot wait to share more stories with you. So if you haven't done so already, make sure that you click on that subscribe button so that you don't miss a thing. Thanks again, lots of love and I'll see you next week.